I heard a story about a preacher, and uh, he, there were two individuals in his town, and they were just horrible men. And Tom and Bill were their names, and Tom passed away. And Bill came up to the preacher, and he said, now, preacher, I'll tell you something. You're going to be preaching my brother's funeral, and I want you to say something good about my brother. Now, if you say something good about my brother, I'll give the church $10,000. Now, the old preacher was really struggling because old Tom was not a good dude. So the preacher thought and thought, because he thought, I can't, I don't know how I can say anything good about this guy. I mean, this guy was a drug dealer. He, he was a womanizer. He'd been arrested several times. I mean, everybody, small community, everybody knows about old Tom. The preacher thought and thought and prayed. So finally the day of the funeral came. Tom, he got up there and the preacher said, Now today we're here to talk about Tom. Tom was a horrible guy. Tom was a drug dealer in our community. He corrupted a lot of people. He was a womanizer. Tom spent a lot of years in prison. And we all know that Tom in this casket was a horrible guy. But compared to his brother Bill, he was a saint. <laughs> oh, man. You know, so we've been talking about identity. And identity is everything. It really is. Uh, and remember, as we talked about this series last week, and I know I challenged a lot of us, uh, and I'm going to challenge us today because we're going to hit a very, very... Uh, miss, I think, mispreached passage of Scripture today. But identity is everything, and your identity is given to you by someone in authority over you. For example, God gave you your fingerprints, right? He gave you your unique heartbeat. That's part of your identity. So that was given to you by God. You had nothing to do with that. Your parents gave you your name. You had nothing to do with that either. So whether you like your name or not, that's what they gave you, and so that was your identity. And of course, when you were born, the government then gave you a number, your social security number. Whether you like it or not, that was the number they gave you. So our identity doesn't come from what, you can call yourself whatever you want to, but your identity comes from somebody outside of you, right? Somebody that's in authority over you. And, and here's the thing, it's, it's really important that you know what your identity is because your identity unlocks doors. If you know who you are, that unlocks doors. For example, I'm going to assume maybe that everybody here is an American citizen. I'm going to assume that we're all American citizens. Being identified on your birth certificate by the government, or if you went through the naturalization process, as an American citizen opens up all sorts of doors for you as an American citizen. For example, you can vote, right? All of us as American citizens can vote. Another thing is we can run for public office. So if you have an ego that's that big, you can run for public office. Go for it. Uh, as an American citizen, you can be eligible for federal employment benefits or unemployment benefits, right? You can be, benefit, you can be eligible for Social Security uh, benefits. If you are a U.S. citizen, you can travel abroad for long periods of time. See, if you're here on some sort of a green card and stuff, I'm not an expert on this, but I understand if you travel abroad for a long enough time, they can actually revoke that. 
But if you're a U.S. citizen, you can actually travel abroad, as I understand it, basically indefinitely, and you're still a U.S. citizen. That won't be taken away from you. As a U.S. citizen, you cannot be deported to another country. So, uh, no matter what, uh, you, you can benefit from United States tax laws, which always becomes somewhat helpful sometimes. You are eligible to apply for grants if you want to go to college and stuff from the government, if you're a U.S. citizen, and you have, you can get a passport, all right? And that passport is a very, very powerful tool if you ever travel abroad. Now, knowing your identity is everything. Because if you didn't know if you were an American citizen or not, you, you may not know all the benefits that are available to you. In fact, a lot of people don't even know all the benefits they have as an American citizen. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to a... Uh, Social Security informational night uh, up on the north side because as I'm looking down the road for retirement, I want to learn everything I can about Social Security, praying that it'll still be there. Um, I want to learn everything I can about Social Security and how to maximize my benefits. So I'm going to this seminar in a few weeks. Anybody wants to go, let me know. Uh, but I'm going to that because I want to learn about Social Security, I want to make sure that I take advantage of all the benefits that are due to me because I am identified as an American citizen. When we don't know the benefits that come from our identity, we miss out on a lot of things, right? We can miss out on a lot of things. Now, here's the deal. We're in a spiritual war. All right, I think we would all agree with that. We are in a spiritual war, and Satan's goal is to confuse Christ followers about what their benefits are. Now, last week I threw something out there that may be some fine controversial. I challenged you to stop calling yourself a sinner, but to call yourself a saint. Because in the Bible, sinners, also known as the ungodly, also known as the wicked, also known as the unrighteous, are identified as people who are living in habitual, unrepentant sin. Sinners in Scripture are people who have refused to acknowledge God, have refused to come to Christ as Savior, and who live in unrepentant sin throughout their lives. A, a sinner is a person who does not want God to be supreme over their life. They do not allow God to be supreme over their life. Now, if you've responded to the gospel and you've repented of your sin, then technically, in the biblical term, you are no longer a sinner. You have a new identity. You are a saint. And I'm not the one who gave you that identity. God gave you that identity. Satan's goal, though, is to confuse the saints as to who they really are. Satan's goal is to get the saints not to understand the benefits that are given to them. Now, let me just clarify this because I know people really struggle with this. I am not saying that a saint can't sin. A saint may sin. We all still have a sinful nature if you are a saint. But a saint does not live in unrepentant, habitual, long-term sin. A saint may fall for a time into sin, but if they're a true saint, they're going to be under conviction. They're going to want to repent because that's going to be against their natural inclination. And some of y'all, we've all probably been there when you've had some periods in your life when you voluntarily put yourself under the yoke of sin and you've been miserable the whole time. You wanted to repent. You wanted to get back walking with God. Why is that? Because you're not a sinner. You're a saint. You have a new identity. 
At one point in your life, you recognize that you were going to hell, that you needed a Savior, and you realize that Jesus Christ was the Savior of the world, and you repented, and so you stopped living in an unrepentant life. You repented of sin, and at that point, God said, okay, you're no longer a sinner living in unrepentance. You have repented of your sin. I'm going to give you a new identity. That is, you're a saint. And again, we struggle with this term because to, uh, religion has created this category of special believers religion calls saints. You know, you got to have two verified or three verified miracles, and then there's a conference, you know, and then we will now officially call you saint so-and-so. That's not scriptural, folks. Doesn't happen. The scriptures say whenever a person repents and receives Christ, they are now identified as a saint. In fact, the most sinful church in the New Testament was the church at Corinth. Paul never called them sinners. He never called them righteous sinners. He called them saints. He never questioned their salvation. He called them saints the whole time. Now, he challenged them to repent and turn around, but he called them saints throughout the letter to Corinthians. Again, doesn't mean that a saint can't sin, doesn't mean that a saint won't sin, but a saint is a person who at one point repented of their sins, and when they do sin, they, they want to repent. They have a natural inclination to get back to God. So, Satan wants us to forget our identity. Now, we're, he also wants us, though, not to understand the benefits we have as being a saint. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. And uh, the, uh, the, uh, there's a group that I'm in, and we're, we do devotions online, and we picked identity uh, to, to do this. And the first day was Ephesians 1, and, and I really wasn't sure where I was going to completely go with this series. And as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah, Jim, duh, Ephesians is the book that Paul really talks about and unpacks identity. It's been called the Queen of the Epistles. Uh, just to tell you as you're turning there, and that's uh, in the Georgia Electric Power Company section, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That might help you find it there. It's in the New Testament. Paul, Paul wrote this, this letter from prison uh, in Rome. Now, five years earlier, before he wrote this letter, he had been in Ephesus where he actually started the church. He lived in Ephesus uh, for three years. He, he knew this church inside and out because he had started the church. But it had been five years since he had seen this, these people in Ephesus. Uh, and so he's in prison right now. And so he is writing this letter to them. And again, like a lot of churches, like the church at Thessalonica, they were under intense persecution. People were like, why do you follow this Jesus? Uh, the worship of Artemis was huge there in Ephesus and and you know you know the emperor is God and they're like no Jesus is God and there is only one God and and so they were under intense persecution in 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 the area and so Paul writes this letter to him and he wants to remind them in this letter who they are and not only that the benefits they have as saints okay so let's just start off his letter Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 1, here's what he starts off. He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. Now remember, 
This is Paul's title for Christians, people who follow Christ. He calls them saints. That is the new identity you have. He is writing to the saints who have identified themselves with Christ. These are people who have bowed their knee and said, yes, I'm repenting of my sin. I want Christ to come into my heart. Now, notice where these saints are at, because this is huge. To the faithful saints in the church of Ephesus, is that what he says? Look at it. To the faithful saints where? In Christ Jesus. Okay? To the faithful saints who are in Christ Jesus. The reason he says that is if you've responded to Christ, if you've repented of your sin, you are in Christ. All right? So when God looks at you, he sees you through Christ. It's like you're in the, Christ is the bubble and you're in, in Christ, okay? And so Paul's looking at them and he's saying, all right, to the faithful saints who are in Christ Jesus. Again, I, I want to, I put down some Satan's lies and God's truths. And I just want to, as we start off with this, just remind you of this. Satan's lie is you're a sinner because you sin. God's truth is you are not a sinner because God has declared you a saint. Again, a sinner is a person who has never repented and lives in unrepentant sin. And that's what saints, when you sin, and saints do sin, sometimes saints say, oh, you're just a sinner, see? And then, then we say, oh, yeah, I'm just a sinner. I can't help myself. No, you're a saint. You can't help yourself. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have some benefits. We're going to unpack that. So just remind you, saints lies. you're a sinner because you sin. God's truth is you're not a sinner because God has declared you a saint. Here's what, so Paul starts off to the saints. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, we're getting ready to talk about the benefits, with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Now let me give you another Satan lie, God truth. Satan lie number two, your identity comes from what you've done. God's truth, your identity comes from what God has done for you. Think about that. Because so many Christ followers, all they think about is what they've done in the past. And that's their identity. No, 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 that's a lie from Satan. Your identity comes from what God has done for you. What has God done for his saints? What has he done? Now, let's unpack this. So let's go to verse 3 and unpack this. Blessed is the God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Notice where we're being blessed at, everybody. In Christ, with spiritual blessings in the heavens. So I'm going to unpack this real carefully, because this is one of those texts. Where are we being blessed at? In Christ. Everybody see that? Where are the blessings? In the heavens. Every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Who does the blessing? God, right? God the Father is the one who blesses us. The blessings are in the heavens and they are in Christ. Now, this is where sometimes English language kind of derails us because if you've had English in school, hopefully you have, you know, we have past and present tenses of verbs. Uh, and, but in the Greek, which is what this was originally written in, there's past, present, perfect, imperfect, future, aorist, tense. There's all sorts of different tenses in the verb. When it says God has blessed us in the original language, it's in the aorist tense. And when you, when you see an aorist tense verb, we're getting a little into the Greek here, don't worry about it. But it, it is a completed action in the past with continuing consequences. 
So when he says God has blessed us, in other words, there was a completed action in the past. What was that? You were declared a saint when you repented. God declared you in the past a saint. But you have continuous benefits as being in a saint, being a saint. Does that make sense? Because I'm going to unpack the benefits, all right? So he says, God has blessed you in the heavens, in Christ, with all these spiritual blessings to you who are saints. And here's where we're going to get into some thorny passages that I think are unfortunately mispreached. He says this, for he, God, chose us, where? In Christ, before the foundation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. So, God chose us. When did this happen? Well, it's in the past. It's an aorist tense verb. Notice when Paul says he chose us. Before the foundation of the world. Now, who is the us? The saints. The believers. He's not talking about individuals here. Okay? This is where we get derailed. In America, we think in individualistically. In the, in the New Testament, in that culture, everything was collective. All right? So God chose not people, individual. He chose us, the saints, when? Before the foundation of the world. Now, this is where mis- people misread it, and this is unfortunately happening a lot. People read the word chose to think that God chose who was going to be saved. People read into this text, for he chose us to be saved before the foundation of the world. Let me tell you something. God's not up in heaven saying, you know what, I'm going to choose you, but not choose you. I'm going to choose you. I'm not going to choose you. Mm -mm. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, not just certain people. And there is a a fallacy, I believe, by some wonderful godly preachers. But I think they're off on this because they're reading the word chosen as if it's salvation. It's not what it says. It says before the foundation of the world, God chose in Christ. He chose the saints in Christ. You're saying, well, he chose us to be saved. No, here's what he chose us. Look at the verse. To be holy and blameless where? In his sight. Where are the blessings happening? In the heavens. We'll go back to our verse. We are in Christ. Here are the spiritual blessings in the heavens. Here's here's my point. If you are a saint, you've repented of your sin. When God sees you, he sees you in Christ, and he sees you through the blood of Christ, and he sees you now as a holy person. You say, well, I don't feel holy. Well, you still have a sinful nature, and yes, sometimes we sin, but God sees you in Christ as a holy person, and God chose before the foundation of the world that this is how he would view the saints. God chose before the foundation of the world that those who come to him in faith, who respond to the gospel message, he chose that they would be seen in Christ as holy people, as people who are set apart in his sight. This doesn't say that God chose people to be saved before the foundation of the world. No, it said he chose before the foundation of the world that his saints would be holy. This is how he would see his saints. Because why? Because his saints are in Christ. And when God sees his saints, he decided before the foundation of the world that he would see when he saw us, his saints, he would see us as holy. Does that make sense? 
Because I think that's what Paul's saying. Because we are in him, and he chose us in him to be holy and blameless in his sight. And again, that word holy simply means to be set apart. What is a saint? A saint is a holy one. That's literally what it means. A saint is a person who has been set apart. Again, we're different than sinners. Sinners are not set apart. Sinners are people who live in unrepentant rebellion against God. Saints are people who repented and have received Christ. And so God says, okay, I set you apart. Matthew 24, 25, 26, you have the sheep and the goats. You have the goats who refuse to believe. You have the sheep. You see this contrast all the way through Scripture. And so God chose, if you're a saint, God sees you as holy. And again, you might be like, well, Jim, I don't, I don't feel that holy today. This isn't about how you feel. This is about how God sees you. He sees you as a holy person in his sight. So that's one of the blessings of that. Now, I've struggled with this in my own life because I've noticed sometimes when I pray, I'm like, God, help me to be holy. And I've had to stop and say, God, help me to live out the holiness. It's not he has to help me to be holy. I'm already holy in his sight. My prayer, let me live out my holiness. See, y'all see the difference? So many times it's God, help me, help me, help me. And God's like, I've already given it to you, bro. <laughs> Live it out. I've already declared you holy. Live out your holiness. Look at else. He says, God chose us to be not only holy before the foundation of the world, he chose that his saints would also be blameless in his sight. Let me give you another thing that might cause you a little bit of thought and talk over lunch. That's okay. I know I'm grilled over lunch. That's good. I'm used to it. When you die, if you're a saint, you're not going to be judged for your sins. You're going to be judged for how you lived your life for Christ and how you used your life for Christ. The folks that will be judged for their sins are the sinners. That's at the great white throne judgment seat. And they will see that they cannot pay the debt. They will be judged for their sins. Folks, your sins are already forgiven. Past, present, and future. What you and I will be judged, will be judged by Christ, is how did we use our time and our talents and our abilities for him? Did we squander our time? Did we live out our sainthood? Did we live out our holiness? That's what we're judged for. We're not judged for our sins. Why? Because God already sees me in his sight through Christ as blameless. And God decided before the foundation of the world that's how he was going to see his saints. He chose before the foundation of the world that in him, in Christ, and that's huge, he chose that all those in Christ, all the saints collectively, we're not talking about individuals here, he chose the saints collectively in Christ, he would see them as holy, set apart, and he would see you and I as blameless in his sight. So what should that spur us to do? Live it out. Let's live it out. And again, 
This is what Satan doesn't want you to remember. Because Satan is the accuser, not God. And there's a lot of saints that walk around, oh, I'm, I, uh, and they just, all they do is dwell on their past sins and their past failures. Look, if you've repented and put it under the blood of Christ, move on. God sees you as blameless. Why are you beating yourself up for the past? Now, I'm not saying make light of sin. Repentance means to turn from it. But if you've done that, move on. Because Satan just wants to keep you down. He wants you to keep beat up with your head hung down. Look, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we all get that, okay? But God sees me as holy and blameless. You know what? So I want to rejoice in that. I want to be happy that's how he sees me. And I want to do my best to live it out on a day-by-day basis. Again, a saint is a person who has repented of their sin. And as a result, they're not going to want to live in unrepented sin. Sometimes they sin. I get that. John says that in First John. If we sin, so sin, sinning is not to be a part of our life, but it happens. We still have a sinful nature. If we do, we have an advocate. We, 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 we receive forgiveness. But a saint, God already sees you as holy and blameless. So if you're a saint, don't walk around like, oh, I'm just a... F-. No, you're not. You're holy in God's sight. God sees you as blameless in Christ. Again, Satan's lie. Your identity comes from what you've done. God's truth. Your identity comes from what God has done for you. And what God has done for you is before the world created... He decided that his saints would be seen this way. Let me give you another one. We'll keep going. In love, this is the last part of verse 4, because this is all one big sentence here. In love, verse 5, he predestined us, oh, this is a big one, this is loaded. He predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself according to his favor and will. Now, let me break this down, because... Uh, unfortunately, due to St. Augustine, well, Augustine in the 4th century, Christians have misused this word. Predestined. Pre. What do you think that means? Before. Destined means what? Destination, basically. Predetermined. Before this morning, when y'all got up, I'm going to argue you were predestined to come to Warren Baptist Church. Right? You had predetermined when you got up this morning, and we're thankful you did. You were predestined to come to Warren Baptist Church. You had predetermined this is where you were coming to church this morning. Now, let's break this down. He says that in love, God predestined us. Let's go to the us. Are we talking about individuals? No. It is plural. It is the community. It is who's the us? It's the saints. God predetermined the saints to be adopted through Christ Jesus. Remember, Paul starts his letter to the saints who are at in Christ Jesus in Ephesus. So the us are the saints. God predestined us. So if you're a saint, God predetermined that you to be adopted through Jesus Christ. So God, before the world was created, he determined, predetermined that you would be holy in Christ. He would see you as holy. In Christ, he would see you as blameless. He also predetermined before the foundation of the world, that the saints, those who'd responded to the gospel, he would also see as adopted into his family. God predetermined before the world was created 
that the saints would be a part of his family. He didn't determine, I'm going to pick you, I'm going to pick you, I'm going to pick you, I'm not going to pick you. Now, we're not talking about individuals here. We're talking about the group collectively. And God decided before the foundation of the world that all those who are saints, I'm going to adopt you as children. You're going to be my child. You're going to be in my family. Again, a sinner, think about this, a sinner who lives in unrepentant sin does not have a relationship with God. You know, sometimes people say, we're all God's children. Well, we're all created in the image of God. We're all loved by God. But only saints are truly, legitimately God's children. Why? Because God determined before the foundation of the world that those who were in Christ, he would adopt as his children. We have a new status. You are a child of the king. Paul said this in Romans 8.15, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. He's talking to the saints. But you, Christ followers, that's who he's talking to, receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. When we pray, we say, Heavenly Father. Why do we say that? Because legitimately we can. Because God determined before the foundation of the world, I would be one of his children. He would... Call me one of his children. Again, adoption is not only future, it's not only present, but it's also future. I don't have it up on the screen, but in Romans 8.23, Paul goes on and says this, but not only that, but we ourselves, talking about the saints, who have the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit as the first fruits, we groan within ourselves eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our body. So God decided, he predetermined before the world was created that in Christ, those who were in Christ, they would be adopted as family. We can legitimately call them sons and daughters. And he also determined that our adoption would be completed when our bodies are glorified. So in the one sense, your adoption hasn't completely happened yet. We're still waiting on it to be fully realized. And God determined that's how this is going to work. Why did he do it? Well, if you go back to Ephesians, he did it in love. God loved us so much that he decided that those people who respond to my gospel call and ask Christ to be their Savior, I'm going to see them in my Son as holy. I'm going to see them as blameless. I'm going to see them as my children and part of my family. And I'm going to do that because I love you so much because I love you why has he done this according to his favor and his will God determined that's what I'm going to do that's how I'm going to see you again let me give you one last lie and then we'll finish it up Satan's lie your identity comes from what people say about you God's truth your identity comes from what God says about you and what God says about you is you're a saint, you're holy, you're blameless, and you're adopted. That's what God says about you. And those are just some of the blessings, some of the benefits of your identity. Why does he say that? Because you are in Christ. And God says, when I look at you through my son, I see you in my son because you've responded. This is how I see you in the heavenlies right now. This is how I view you right now in the heavenlies. 
Yes, I know on this planet you sin sometimes, but I still see you as holy in Christ. I still see you as blameless. I still see you as my child. And identity is everything. And I don't know about you, but as I am starting to grasp more and more of this truth, it certainly gives me a sense of empowerment. I don't have to say no. I don't, I don't have to give in to sin. I'm holy in God's sight. I'm a saint. I don't have to do this. I don't have to sit here and hang my head low. Uh, for past sins, I've repented. I've been forgiven. I'm blameless in God's sight. I'm going to continue to live that out. I don't have to worry about, am I going to heaven or not? If I responded to Jesus Christ, which I did, I'm adopted into his family. He already decided that was how it was going to be. I'm his child. Identity is everything. So let me ask you this. Are you buying into Satan's lies about your identity? Or are you buying into God's truth about your identity? Because identity is everything. Let's pray. Father, I pray that I unpack this passage somewhat this morning about the blessings that we have in the heavenlies. I thank you that right now for those of us in this room, and I pray everybody in here, this room is a saint, that you see us as holy and blameless and adopted. And I thank you for that. There may be some this morning who may be in this room or watching on the internet who are sinners. They've never repented of their sin and they've never placed their faith and trust in you. Father, I just say to them, in love, they are not holy and they are not blameless and they are not adopted. But if they'll respond to the good news of the gospel, they will be in Christ and they will have all those benefits as a saint. So I pray if there's somebody watching today or even here who says, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not, I pray right now that they'll confess their sins, repent of their sins, put their faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone and start living for him. For those Christ followers who have bought into Satan's lies, which we all have done at times, I pray, Lord, that we'll buy into God's truth and that this week as we go out into spiritual warfare, that we will lay hold of the benefits we have in Christ. We won't walk in fear, but we'll rejoice in hope. We'll be faithful, and we'll live out who we are in Jesus. And we pray all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. If you're struggling, if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to heaven or not, I don't know, let's talk. Let's get that settled. Don't live as a sinner. Be a saint.